We have reached uh, the third week in a series through the book of Acts in the New Testament. Who's been reading the book of Acts since we started this series? I have, because I've had a vested interest in that, because I'm going to talk about it. Not loads of you. Listen, can I encourage you to don't interrupt your regular Bible reading, but maybe add an extra little bit of reading in instead of watching Surgeons on the Edge of Life or whatever you want to watch. <laughs> maybe you could read the Book of Acts and fill yourself with some of the exciting stories. I'm going to, without further ado really, I'm going to read from the Acts chapter 2. Most of the chapter, I'm going to edit little bits out, so you're going to need to go home and read this anyway. So I'm going to read from verse 1 and finish around verse 41, but I'm going to miss out some little bits on the way, So and, and then we'll get stuck into it. So it's quite a long narrative. So Acts 2, starting at verse 1, very good place to start. It said, On the day of Pentecost... All the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, well they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11, sorry, with the 11 other apostles and he shouted to the crowd, listen carefully all of you. Fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people aren't drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And then he quotes the Old Testament prophet. Verse 17, he says, In the last days, God says... I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. 
And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So he's quoted that prophet and he's applied it to that situation. And then he continues in verse 22. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. And then then Peter continues, and he quotes King David from the Bible again, um, who's predicted the death for the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. In verse 1, we continue, and Peter says, David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honour in heaven at God's right hand, and the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. Can you see what he's doing here? He's just, there's this wonderful thing that's happened up in that room where, where the Holy Spirit was manifest and they heard a rushing wind and they saw tongues of fire. Then they were speaking in a language they hadn't learned. And he's took the opportunity to address the crowd that was gathered and he's properly preaching it to them. Right, so Pete, and it goes on to say. Um, when he refers to the Bible again, and it says in verse 36, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Maybe there's people here even thinking that. What is this stuff about Jesus? I've seen and heard so far today. What should I do? What do I have to do? Well, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time. I will finish by 12 today. Strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptised and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. What a day that was. <laughs> what, who was expecting that? They were praying, of course. They were gathering. They were seeking God because they were instructed to do. And then, bang, the Holy Spirit comes. I, I've entitled this, you can see it on the screen behind me, What's the Point of Pentecost? 
That's the point of Pentecost. Right? You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then everything changes. I'm, 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 that's what I'm going to be looking at. In a moment, I'm going to look at five, five points which you'll be very pleased to know. We'll all alliterate around the letter P. So not only have we got what's the point of Pentecost, we've got five other P's as well. So, so two weeks ago, don't you love that? Two weeks ago, we started this series and we looked at, well, I looked at the ascended and exalted Lord Jesus. And, and in that talk, I used the illustration of someone writing a book. You know, I said, if you were going to write a book called The Life of Christ, what would you include in it? You know, what, what, how, what would you put there? And I said, you know, you'd probably start with the birth of Jesus at Bethlehem. You'd have to describe all the wonderful things Jesus did when he was on this earth. His, his teaching, as he taught as one who had authority with great power. The miracles that he did. Healing the sick, walking on the surface of the water, could turn in, turning uh, one boy's packed lunch in, into a, a, a feast for thousands. All the stuff that he did, the fact he was so lovely. You'd, have, you'd talk about all that if he was writing that book, wouldn't you? The Life of Christ. And you'd have to mention the Easter story. That that sinless God-man suffered and bled and died taking our punishment, the punishment we deserved, thereby defeating sin itself. And, and if you were writing that book, you would, you would inevitably talk about the event just three days later when that, that Jesus, who had been dead and buried in a tomb, was alive again, miraculously raised to life, defeating death itself. And that's a story, isn't it? But it didn't stop there. And we, we looked a couple of weeks ago um, that, 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 at the whole ascension of Christ. He, he, the Jesus who was resurrected and alive again and he goes back, ascended back to the Father and they just watched him go he, from viewing a crown until it took a couple of angels to say, what are you doing looking up there? He said, do you remember? And Jesus was then exalted to the right hand of the Father, which we've already read this morning. And, and, and we know he's coming back again. But there's another bit in between which I'd like to put into that book if I was writing it. Right? We don't want to forget the special part of the story, the bit we've just read, about the Holy Spirit being poured out. Right? The prophet Joel doesn't forget it, does he? He prophesied it hundreds of years before. Right? And Peter certainly doesn't forget it. He's read it and he knows it and then he quotes it and applies it to that situation. And of course Jesus doesn't forget about the Holy Spirit because before he went he spent ages talking to his disciples about the fact that he will send an, av- an advocate. He would send the Spirit. Just a couple of quotes from, from, from John's Gospel. It's the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. This is Jesus speaking. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's encouraging, isn't it? That he's promised them, I'm going, but I'm going to give someone, and they'll keep reminding you what I've said to you. <coughs> Excuse me. Then. So then, um, in verse 15 of John's Gospel, verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 26, he said, uh, he says, Jesus, I will send the advocate. 
The spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. He's preparing them. The fact he's going, but don't worry, someone else is coming. Right? And I'm sure, I'm sure Luke, who wrote the book of Acts and the gospel of Luke, wouldn't even believe that anyone could talk about Christianity without mentioning the Holy Spirit. He is so essential to who we are as Christians. <clears throat> and obviously in the book of Acts, Luke goes on to give a detailed explanation of how Pentecost changed everything. And you only have to just skim through the book of Acts and see all the wonderful things that the Holy Spirit does through his people. Now the Apostle Paul, he goes even further and he reminds us that people without the Spirit don't even belong to Christ. In Romans chapter 8 he says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. It's a work of the Spirit that we're even Christians. And if you are a believer, you have the Spirit. And we shouldn't deny that. We should live in the good of that. We're going to look at that in just a moment. So the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is one of the high points. It's one of the key moments of a very glorious story. And we can't, we, we can't say one thing is better than the other. But it's just a glorious part of that book, The Life of Christ, if you were ever to write it. And it's what everyone was literally waiting for. You know, Luke, write, uh, Luke writes in his Gospel, Now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. That's Luke 24, 49. And then... Just the quote from the book of Acts, chapter 1, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. The anticipation those guys must have felt. And in verse 8 it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It will reach as far as Bermondsey. Hallelujah. Right. Acts 2, 32 and 33, which we've just looked at, says, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And he again was referring to, to all that commotion on that day of Pentecost. So what's so important about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit? And this is where you'll be pleased to know I've got those five alliterating points about the Spirit. Now, at this point, I have to be honest and say, I nicked these from someone else. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I'd love to have done it myself. At given time, I probably could have done. <laughs> but the internet is a wonderful thing. Right. <laughs> First of five. Let's see if we get it. Get done on time. He is the spirit of power. I would like, I would say this is the main emphasis of the story of both the book of Acts but, and, and also Luke running through that, that Jesus regularly promised power to his disciples. 
And in the book of Acts, it then shows us how this happened. It's, 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 and it's the glorious things. This is why I'm saying read the book of Acts, right? Don't wait till someone preaches it. Get, get the preview done yourself. Read it. We, you know, we read about the physical healings. We read about buildings that being shaken by the power of God. What's that about? Right? Demons cast out of people. Right? Thousands becoming followers of Christ. And so many stories. Read it for yourself. Um, th- th- this is power. And when the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, a new age began. An age of power. And we are part of that. And so often we forget it. And so often we don't live in the good of it, do we? And we react in a way which is not how Jesus wants us to react. And we can be overwhelmed and chat if stuff happens. You think, oh no, it's all gone horribly wrong. Instead of something bad's happened, you think, right, the power of God. I want the power of God to come. And we, we should be much more readily dropping to our knees and saying, come Holy Spirit. We should much more readily be speaking with the power and authority of him because we have that power and we have that authority. We can speak to sickness. We can speak to situations and circumstance. It's a, it's a glorious thing, isn't it? If you read through the book of Acts and think, no, that's me. And I'm talking to myself here. So often I react as though I'm not even a believer. Just don't think, no, that's how I used to be. We're different now. This is a different age we're living in we are a people of power we can only do what God has called us to do if we are filled with God's power otherwise it's impossible ain't it years ago when I used to do kids club I used to do a a very simple illustration where I get a really powerful torch and I'll prepare the kids for ages I'm going to turn this torch on and you are going to be blinded by the light of this torch and I'll be waving it around the, the, the stage and pointing it at kids and I'll make a big thing of getting this big powerful torch and then switching it on and nothing happens and, and I'll, I'll fiddle about with it and I'll be mucking about it and the kids will be going put some batteries in it eventually they get it you see because that's sharper than me and and of course, I've had the batteries on the stage, and I'd eventually, after I've got a whole room full of people saying, it ain't got any batteries, it ain't going to work without the batteries, I would put the batteries in and turn this great powerful torch on, and the kids would be blinded, it'd be great fun. Not literally blinded, just, you know. And that's such a good illustration of what we need the Holy Spirit in us to shine for Him. We need the batteries of the Holy Spirit filling us. To show and demonstrate his power. Are you excited by the spirit of power being poured out on the church? Are you? We can go on being filled. He is the spirit of power. I love him. All the possibilities that means for us, his people. Secondly, he is the spirit of purity. There's a good reason he's referred to as the Holy Spirit. Right? He's the way unholy and impure people like us get to be holy and pure people of God. It's because of him. 
Now, if you read chapter 5 of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians, you'll see that it's pretty blunt about this stuff. If we walk in the Spirit, we'll keep free from sin and live good lives because we have, well, we have the Holy Spirit. That's why we can do it. We couldn't do it on our own, could we? I'm going to whiz through in this the third one he is the spirit of possession that is we belong to him he possesses us he owns us we are his when the Holy Spirit comes upon us we know we belong to Christ and he gives us that assurance and you know what that's not a bad thing is it Yes, we go, he's he's very possessive. No, it's not like that. It's not a negative use of the term. This is so good. The creator of all heaven owns me and loves me. The pure and perfect father. And so many of us have negative experiences of fathers and mothers, of parents, of people who let us down, of people who who should have loved us, abusing us, and all the stuff that goes on, right? But we can be assured that we have a pure and perfect Father who gives us the Spirit to assure us of our salvation and the fact that we are loved and owned by Him. That's such a good thing. Right? We belong to Him. It's comforting. It brings security. The Holy Spirit is the mark of God on us. The seal God puts on all believers is the proof inside us, in our hearts, that we are his children. And the way we know that we're in Christ and that Christ is in us is because the Holy Spirit tells us. Ephesians chapter 1, the letter to the church at Ephesus, verses 13 and 14. When you believed, it says... You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. It's guaranteed because we have the Holy Spirit reminding us of that. Or he identified you as his own. This is another translation of the same verse. He identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. You couldn't do anything else, could you? When you realise how much he's done and what he continues to do, he's also the way as well that other people can know we belong to God they can look at us and see the Holy Spirit at work in us they're God's people right do you remember when the Holy Spirit came at Cornelius' household some of you have read that if not read the book of Acts you'll read the story right so the Holy Spirit fell on people as Peter was speaking to a household of a Roman called Cornelius and, and 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 Peter was convinced because of the work of the Spirit, because the Spirit fell, that their sins, they'd been forgiven of their sins. 
right? And they should be baptized. In fact, he declared they should should be baptized. So, so the Holy Spirit functions as, as like an ID badge for Christians. When people look at you, they should see the work of the Spirit in you, shouldn't they? Oh, look at they're different than Christians. Have you seen him at work? I think he's one of them. You know? That is big, and it should be always be a good thing. It may challenge people, it may cause people to be angry, but they'll see the work of the Spirit in your life and they'll note that you, you are a Christian. When you have the Spirit, you know for definite you're God's possession. Assurance is a good thing, isn't it? Right? So there's a spirit of power poured out at Pentecost. A spirit of purity poured out at Pentecost. A spirit of possession poured out at Pentecost. And fourthly, he's the spirit of presence. Jesus was really clear on this one. He said to his followers in John chapter 16, it's for your good that I go away. He said, because when I do, I will send another helper to be with you. He's referring to the Holy Spirit. Now, it's easy for us to read those words and think, yeah, of course, what a wise Jesus we have. He's going to go because the Spirit's going to come and then impact the whole world. Much better to have the Holy Spirit than one man restricted by his humanity walking around. But you imagine if you was there... And Jesus, who you've grown to love and revere and realise he's the Messiah, he's God come to the earth, he's with us now. Look at the miracles he's doing. It's wonderful, isn't it? I want to hang around with him. I want to go out on the hillside when he's preaching and then he's saying, I'm going. How did they think? I don't reckon that sounded like good news to them. Right? But it was far, far better that his followers could possibly imagine. Because the helper he was sending was the Holy Spirit. The one who would bring God's presence to millions of believers at once. I just want to play you a a, a very short recording. If you hope this works. Let's see if we can hear this. Can you hear that? That'll do. Do you remember what that? What's that sound? It was dial-up, wasn't it? Do you remember? It? Some lots of people were not even remember it when the internet first came out. You youngsters, right? It wasn't super fast Wi-Fi in them days, mate. If you wanted to download something, you, had to get, you went away and had your dinner to it and then came back. Because it was all down the analogue telephone line. Right? Now, when it came out, you thought, that was fantastic, that internet lark. But who wants to go back to dial-up? My phone's still doing it. Look, hold on. Let's go away. Who wants, no one wants to go back to dial-up, do they? We want super-fast Wi-Fi. Right? Am I daring to compare the Holy Spirit to... <laughs> but you get the picture. Illustrations don't always work to their fullest. But 
See, the Holy Spirit coming meant, meant God is touching millions at one time. Because he's everywhere all the time with all the power and it's just wonderful, isn't it? Do you get the drift, right? It's a very, yeah. Right. So he's with us by his Spirit. And at the same time, he's with believers in China and Russia by the same Spirit. He's, he's, he's touching lives in South America and, and Africa by the same Spirit. Can you see? Jesus walked around a very small part of the world when he was here doing wonderful stuff. But now it's different. That's my difference between dial up and... Yeah. <laughs> a Spirit of power, a Spirit of purity, a Spirit of possession and a Spirit of presence... In the last two minutes, I'm going to look at the fifth one. He is the spirit of prophecy. There's no getting away from this. It's what Joel was looking forward to in the passage that Peter quoted here in Acts 2, the one we started with. He was very clear about it. When the spirit comes, people prophesy. Not just the prophets or the experienced disciples, but he said, look, I'm going to put my spirit on all people, your sons and your daughters, your servants, non-Jews, even then, young men, old men. Prophecy happens a lot in the book of Acts. Read it. Right? People receive the spirit and stuff supernaturally happens. And sometimes it can be a bit messy. And sometimes people might get it a little bit wrong. But the Bible encourages us as God's people to weigh prophecy. And think, how does that fit with, with the word of God? How does that sit with, with uh, the Holy Spirit in me? But he doesn't say, don't do it. And sometimes it may be a little bit messy. And you think, in, you know, in a gathering like this, you may think, no, well, I, well, I don't think that's right. He's gone on a bit too long. And that means Paul has had less time to preach or whatever. <laughs> Can you see? But listen, if the, Spirit of, if the Holy Spirit is around, there will be prophecy. And we, so we've got, to, we've got to feed that gift as well. So, and one way we do that is get into the, most, the, the, the way that God most speaks to us. How is that? How does he mostly speak to us? Through his word, through the Bible. Oh, dear God, I thought it was just a book. You have to read. No, no, no. Listen. Read the Bible. He will speak to you. You will, st- you will stir, the pro- Holy Spirit will stir prophecy. And it will come from that knowledge and understanding. Is that too weird? That's quite normal, isn't it? That means you've got to read the Bible. Start with the book of Acts if you want. Right? So... So it's the so he's the spirit of prophecy. So the prophet Joel was right. When the spirit comes, people will prophesy. And he still does, so we should still do. In conclusion, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit was something very special. So when we write the book, when we tell the story, when you live the story, don't stop at the wrong place. Don't jump from resurrection to return because there's the whole stuff in the middle about the work of the Holy Spirit through his people, not only in the Bible, but through us. Because if we miss that stuff out, we could miss out the wonder of the indwelling, empowering, life-changing, baptising, filling, gift-giving Holy Spirit. And we don't want to do that, do we? 
Right? The spirit of Pentecost was the spirit of promise, the spirit of prophecy, the spirit of presence, the spirit of possession, the spirit of purity, and the spirit of power. All rolled into one glorious package and poured out in one glorious person, a gift for you. I'll finish with a quote from Ephesians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, don't be drunk with wine. Do you remember they thought they was drunk? Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. This is the New Living Translation. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to pray for us. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're not limited to a time-restricted meeting in a hall that we can always encounter you, whether we're together or alone. And I pray for every one of us that we will be more aware of the Holy Spirit who was poured out at Pentecost and never went away than ever before. I pray we'd live in the good of that, in our relationships, in our families, in our workplaces, that we'd live in the good of your power poured out on us. Change our lives, Lord. Give us grace to surrender to every, every prompting that you put on us to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. We're going to finish there.